You're listening to iWoof's Season 7, Episode 3, Preparing for Post-Pandemic Life with Your Dog. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and Jamie Dunbar. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of iWoof's with your hosts, me, Jamie Dunbar. Ian Dunbar. And Kelly Dunbar. <laughs> All right, today we're going to be talking about the sorts of problems that are likely to arise and the sorts of things dog owners should be thinking about as we begin to slowly emerge from this crazy pandemic lifestyle we've all been forced into. Obviously, the past year has been an incredibly unique and challenging time. Now it seems like things are starting to get back to normal. And, you know, obviously there'll be ups and downs, but hopefully that's the direction we're headed. So mm -hmm. in this episode, we're going to talk about the sorts of problems that this transition is going to present and how you can prepare your dog for the changes that are coming. So, Kelly. What do you think are some of the problems that we're going to start seeing as life starts returning to normal with regards to dogs, of course? Um, there's, I think, kind of two prongs to this. And I'll start with one and imagine Ian will take the other prong. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot of dogs that do not know how to be home alone and don't know how to spend time on their own and um, are a bit worried or, um, and or bored with their new status when of, you know, of, you know, latchkey dog when everyone goes back to work and back to the gym and, you know, back to events that do not include their dog. So um, we've got to be prepared to help teach dogs how to you know, be on their own and actually probably practice that. So we can go into some detail about that later. That's, that's one of the big things I see. Ian, what do you see happening? Uh, yeah, I think separation anxiety, number one, the, the dogs have been accustomed to human contact, you know, on demand, and um, they're going to fall apart. So they really need help there. Um, and, and I agree with you, I put that first, because, um, because of the maxim, you know, home and family first, at least let's raise dogs so they're comfortable in their own home. And they've been really hunky-dory for several months and now their own home is going to become a scary place because of the the nothingness the absence of people um second up would be for those people um who welcome people into their homes or take the dog out on walks i, I think the dogs are going to be ill-prepared to meet um, visitors unfamiliar people and so, you know, some dogs will be reactive when people come to the house, we'll have to put them away as a temporary management tool until we build up their confidence. And then of course the option of walking, we've got to take it very slowly. We shouldn't be rushing this dog through the environment. I think just take him outside, sit down, start work on your iPhone and let the dog just hide and peek and watch the world go by its front door. And I would do the same on walks too. Then we have the, the exposure to unfamiliar people that we can't delay, like a trip to the vet clinic. So I think these are the two big things to work on, separation anxiety, and then now the dog meeting lots of people that it probably hasn't done much of in the last, um, oh, 15 months. So FOMO Kelly, I'm curious. Um, danger. <laughs> Sorry, you were saying? FOMO and stranger danger. <laughs> FOMO, that's that's a fear of missing out, right? 
So yeah, I mean, because I think anxiety. a lot of I don't think that all dogs are going to have separation anxiety. Although um, I think I think we'll see a significant rise in that, as Ian said. But there's also the the lesser um, you know lesser scary cousin, which is just FOMO, you know, back to what dogs just not knowing what to do when they're home alone. And then through that, you get the, you know, it can blossom into separation anxiety, but it's just a funnier way of saying it. I don't know. You right. know? And like, also well, dogs are just going to be born. Is yeah, it separation anxiety like, or is it being separate and getting the chance to uh, have some fun while the, your owner's away or, or you're bored <laughs> and you, know, you being bored. Suddenly bored, you know. I mean, everyone's been home all day with you. So, I mean, for some dogs that'll that will present, you know, true stress and anxiety, and for others, it'll be just, you know, uncharted territory, it's kind of like home alone for the first time or something. So, Kelly, yeah. I'm wondering. You said uh, you said you thought there'd be two prongs, and you thought that Ian would pick up on the second one. Uh, was was that the second prong you were you were thinking he was going to say? Uh for the most part, yes. The stranger danger and or just lack of, I mean, yeah, stranger danger, really. Um, because hopefully people have at least been taking their, their dogs out um, during the pandemic. And, you know, hopefully they're not environmentally just challenged and, and, and you know, and anxious about things in the environment. But um, people approaching, you know, I, you know, coming into your house, as Ian said, and, uh, you know, having maybe going to different parties and parks where there'll be people. So, yeah, basically... It's being home alone and then it's having other people come into your home. I think those are where you're going to see the, the problems um, for most of these dogs. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think we should keep in mind that even people who think that they did a good job socializing their dog during a pandemic, and some people may have done an excellent job, um, might might be surprised to find that their dog still is having some problems. And Ian, you remember um, remember when we brought Claude home from the shelter and we thought yes. we'd tested him out. We brought him a dog that was probably a year and a half old. Let's say he'd been in the shelter for several months and it was, you know, it was a decent shelter where they were doing behavior and training and, you know, they were taking him out for walks. So we thought, well, you know, let's test out this dog and, uh, you know, and train him in a room and let's touch him and handle him and let's take him for a walk. We, let's see how he acts out in the city streets. And he was perfectly fine on the city streets. Well, of course, you know, what, what had happened was, you know, he'd gone on a walk that he'd gone on every day in the shelter. So it became part of his inner circle had nothing to do with being okay with the outside world or being in a car or being in a new neighborhood. So what happened then, Ian? Do you remember? Well, he got him in the truck and you're driving across the Bay Bridge to take him home and he just decompensated and started uh, vocalizing that was like a scream of, of fear and anxiety. So you- 110 pound dog, no less. Yeah, 110 right? pound dog that had just bitten me twice when I evaluated him, remember? Uh, we were touched right because- he was, he was on, I think, euthanasia watch because he had bitten a, uh, a staff member there, remember? And yeah. uh, anyway, none of these bites were anyway dangerous. They didn't puncture the skin. But <laughs> Kelly suggested I put my hand through the little window from her truck cab to. to the back to, to comfort to him. And as I did that, Claude sniffed Kelly, who just instantly he loved, and his head came through the window, trapping my arm like this, and his head's here. So I said, oh my God, I can't move my arm. And I sort of said, you know, He's please. Right. I mean, 
wrangle him, Kelly. So she was making kissing noises like, it's okay, Claudie, it's okay. So he's looking at her and not at me. And I sort of looked out this window for the whole, I mean, it's an eight mile trip across the bridge. Then we pulled over as soon as we hit land and, the, and you stopped and like pulled him, you went in the back of the cab and pulled him back. Yes, he was trying to get through the little cab yeah. window. Yeah. And, but, but, but the point is, you know, even as two people who should know better, we thought, wow, we've checked this dog out. We think he knows what he's doing. And he's calm and cool out in the world. And really, it was just his inner circle. And so my, my going back to my whole point, there is, you know, even if you think you've been taking your dog out, humans are creatures of habit. And so a lot of these dogs may have gone to their local park, or, you know, just to the, the few places that you felt were safe during a pandemic. And now that your circle might widen in that way as well, as far as your, your ranging uh, territory might range, right, widen, um, you might find that your dog also is kind of just in a very specific habit, or you might think, well, they socialized because we had our bubble and there were 10 people in our bubble. Well, yeah. you'll find very quickly when you go back to pre-pandemic life or post-pandemic kind of pre-pandemic life that you actually have a lot more than 10 people in your bubble when, you know, when you're not restricted and um, your, your dog that seems socialized is st might still be a little bit behind the curve. And yeah, I mean, even the best socialized dog in the past year hasn't seen a lot of street fairs or outdoor concerts or, you know, family reunions at parks and all these types of activities that have been so, so fewer. Yeah. yeah. So it's going to be different. And there's, so there's just a lot of novel, you know, uh, stimuli out there that they haven't, they haven't dealt with or ever experienced. So yeah. uh, no matter, and, and not only that, but Ian, what, would, what do you think about the dogs that were, that are older than, than the pandemic, you know, that maybe you had a well-socialized chill dog that, um, you know, was used to you going to work every day, nine to five, and it was two years old when the pandemic started. Now it's three, you know, or, or even older. Um, do you think they're going to have some trouble adjusting back to? They may have some trouble, but less so than the dog that doesn't have that prior experience because that good socialization or good lifestyle gives them a certain amount of padding now to protect them from changes. But of course, behavior and temperament never stay the same. That oh this is you know people think oh he'll be okay no it's changing every day it certainly changes slower and less in adulthood once habits have become um, fixed but no they will be different dogs and I think the like we've socialized people right you know like we all have to reemerge. Oh yeah, slowly. Yeah. So why would it be any? You know, we're all socialized to a degree, but like, I don't know. I don't want to be close to anybody at like a movie theater. You know, or you know, <laughs> there's going to be know? a lot of very awkward chit chatting in the coming year. You know, people are going to have to remember how to do the small talk and stuff. Awkward like that. greetings too. How do you? What well, do you? How do you greet somebody? Do you? No, do you not or not? Them? I mean, you know, I mean the chit chat the you know, these pleasantries, I mean, maybe let's just eliminate them forever and now, you know, maintain with their smaller bubble and deeper relationships that are more fulfilling and meaningful. And I was joking there, but I think a lot of people will do that. I think a lot of people have learned that. No, a lot of people will. I think we now, we, I think a lot of us have learned we don't need frivolous socialization just for the sake of socializing. And it's, we've, we've all constricted, you know, you know, I think constricted our social groups 
Yeah. Okay. So if these are the two big problems we're foreseeing, home alone, and then the kind of the socialization and desensitization, um, why don't we start with at-home problems? What do you think are some tips, some easy things people can start doing now to get ready and make it easier for their dog? Why don't you start, Kelly? I think that it's important to start today, right now, getting out without your dog, but in the tiniest of increments or getting away from your dog, I should say. For some of these dogs, that might literally mean just leaving them in a room alone or you know, in their crate in the other room for a few minutes while you go into the other side of the house or go out to the garden for a minute or just go get the mail. Um, you can't go too too slowly. You can certainly go too quickly when you're trying to you know, build a skill like this. And what you're trying to do is avoid the abrupt jolt of, you know, I was here all the time and now I'm not here at all. And, you know, as humans, we think, well, that jolt was gonna be, you know, I was here all the time and now I'm gone for, you know, half a day or a day. But honestly, for your dog, you know, you leaving the house, if you haven't done it and really be honest with yourself and think about it, if you haven't gone any further than the mailbox without your dog for the past year or six months or how long you've had this dog, that's, that's where you start, you know? So in small increments, practice departures. It's actually a good idea to practice these really short departures and get your dog used to the idea of the departure sounds you know, without it being, you know, but a mere 30 seconds, you know, then coming back and get it to the point of just nonchalance. So pick up, you know, get dressed like you're going out to your car. Even if you're not going out to your car, pick up your keys, put on your coat, get out that work briefcase or backpack or whatever you're using these days, you know, put on the ear pods, all these little cues that will show the dogs that, oh, the commute's about to happen. That's going to be a long day. And just go sit in your car for a minute or drive around the block or walk down the block and come back. And, you know, um, all the while, you know, with technology, you can leave um, your, you can, you can video your dog and record your dog while they're gone or, or access them. And you don't even need a fancy app or to do that. You can do it. Like you leave your computer on and just take your phone with you and zoom yourself, you know, or something, you know, um, and just see how your dog is responding to this. And by all means, leave them with something to do a rubber food stuff toy or some kind of delectable edible treat that they can, um, that will keep them occupied and happy to wave goodbye and see you, see you go so that they have their special treats and their special chews when you're absent versus when you're present. What do you think, Dad? That's uh, that sounds pretty good to me. Do you, is there any other ideas that you'd like people to consider? Yeah, I had a whole load of sequential ideas, and as I came up with one idea, it bumped the other one out of my brain. Then another one came up, and they all bumped along. Um, so I'm I'm stuck with the no. I, I'm stuck with the first idea I had when Kelly started talking, and the last idea. So the first idea in terms of the, uh, the leaving cues. Um, we can start desensitizing the leaving cues like jangling your car keys, locking doors, the clothes you wear, et cetera, kissing the dog on the head without leaving at all. So first I would just go through a key jangling routine, jangle the keys and then go over to the dog, tell him lie down, give him a treat. And again, jangle the keys before we even get to the whole planned departure routine, um, which um, is, it takes a long time to do. Now, we have to bear in mind that to train the dog 
to be okay when we're gone, the only time we can do this training, of course, is when we're home. And I think this is where most people fall down the trap because in the good old days when we all went to school or work, we were away so much from our dogs that when we came home, we felt guilty and wanted them to give them all our attention when we're home. So they learned to have unlimited access to us at those times. Um, I actually had a, a eye opener this morning that um, I was working away on my computer and then I was asked, oh, I've got no help downstairs. Could you look after the puppy? Now, it's a puppy who's been living here for seven days and um, he loves me. What can I say? Uh, he didn't love me when uh, owner number one left and he's left with the grump here, you know, the Grinch or whatever, Grinch. And um, I actually had to take, I really, I can't write. I can't concentrate listening to this incessant whining. So I had to train him. It's okay. It's me. Settle down and, and shush. And um, it, it took about 10 to 20 minutes. But then I thought, um, I know I, I wanted to go downstairs. So I took the pup with me. And we passed the, like the evening room um, and his crate was there and he nosed open the door and went in and laid down of his own accord. Yeah. And when I wanted to come back upstairs, I'm looking at him and I said, do you want to come up and sit next to me or do you want to lie in your crate? And he closed his eyes. So I locked the crate door and that's where he happily spent the next half hour. And so it kind of shocked me that number one, he had separation anxiety when lying next to me because he wants another family member. So we're gonna get a lot of this when mum goes back to work, no question about it. But now dad's left with the dog and the dog says like, who are you buddy? You know, you're, you're the second on my list, but also the beauty of him then finding the crate because he's been crate trained ever since he was a puppy. And this is his security. And I think the most important thing to teach uh, an anxious animal is how to cope with the anxiety. What do you do? And it's the thing we always advise people that if you start off and for the first three days for your puppy in your house or an adult dog adoptee, we are in our crate with a new chew toy stuffed with food every time we're put in there. This actually becomes the dog's mm -hmm. you know, place of choice. It's my private place where I have my little quiet times. And it's great if we've done that, like we did it with this puppy, because when he's dumped off with me again, I, if I'm busy, I should probably say, no, why don't you go in your crate? I'll bring his crate upstairs. And then he knows what I do there, comfy bed in my crate. I lie down and sleep until they ask me to come out and go pee. And knowing how to act. Coping Sorry, I didn't coping hear, you looked like you were talking. I didn't hear the words. Coping mechanisms. Oh, coping, me yeah. coping mechanisms. Yeah. Now I saw your mouth moving, but no sound was coming out of my computer. Maybe <laughs> you're joking now. Okay. Um, and so for the rest of us that haven't trained this in, we now have to train the dogs when we're away to enjoy lying down um, and enjoying your hobby. So we have to turn chew toy chewing into a hobby so it becomes a habit. 
and passes the time of the day so the dog doesn't realize I'm here all alone because that realization is what then makes the anxiety become a positive feedback loop. The more I'm anxious, the less I lie down, the more I walk, the more I pace, the more I pace, the more anxious I become. And they focus on um, that I'm on my, my own now. But the training has to start when we are at home to prepare the dog for when we're absent. All right. That seems like some good tips for the, uh, the home alone issues we're, we're, we're anticipating coming soon. What about some of the reactivity and the social anxiety stuff? Um, what do you think would be some good, easy places for people to start uh, preventing those problems? Kelly? Well, I think it's going to start, um, Ian, this was a good, a good point. I mean, it's, it's going to be in the home more than it's going to be out and about because normally I would say have them sit and out, outside and absorb the world. But now it's going to suddenly be encroaching upon their world, which is, is, is really tougher, you know? So again, going along with what Ian was saying about uh, coping mechanisms and strategies, you know, tell your dog what you want them to do, teach them and prepare them in advance for what they can do and give them a secure place to go when people are in, are, are in, in the home. So obviously management will be the key at first if necessary. So if, by that, I mean, if, you know, if somebody's coming to your house and you haven't, like your, your dog is sufficiently prepared, I would maybe put them away in another room versus have them cope attempt on their own to cope with somebody in their face or in their space. So this would be a great time to put a dog away in a, in a crate or in another room if you're not training. And this isn't a training scenario that you've set up and you don't have the time or wherewithal to do it. But um, in the meantime, one of the skills that I would teach is a nice settle on your place, on your mat, and they like, have them have to go to their bed, which I like to treat as a, a something that is like an invisible crate for them that is usually in a higher traffic area where the dog can go and learn that, okay, when I'm told to go to my bed, I chill out of my place here and, and I, I just stay here, you know, and you can give them a true project or, or not. And um, I would start teaching them that with the, you know, the usual people that are in the house, you know, and the usual suspects with, and, you know, increasing foot traffic and door opening and perhaps with all the deliveries that are coming, getting them used to the idea that this is where you go when, you know, when people come over. Um, so that's more of a coping mechanism side of things. But there's also some strategies, strategies that you're going to have to utilize to teach your dog to accept strangers, I guess, um, when there's going to be a lot of them. So Ian, what do you suggest? How do you suggest people start to integrate strangers into their dog's lives, new people into their dog's lives? Well, I would continue with your suggestion and I would do a lot of work in the home first. Um, that I think we're very unrealistic without COVID. We're totally unrealistic about what we expect from a dog. We expect dogs to be friendly with every dog on the planet and every person. And as we know, people can't even do that with other people. And so my strategy for um, rehabilitating the dog or, or, or uh, put it in a nicer way to giving the dog tools to deal with this new scarier world of unfamiliar people coming into my house and then meet them on the street is I would do it one person at a time outside of household members with the notion of gradually trying to create a core social group of house visitors 
And so I would start with the family members teaching the dogs um, the, the basic come here, sit routine, repetitive, come sit, treat, come sit, treat, come sit, treat, just, you know, two-step approaches. So in terms of teaching the dog how to act, it's very controlled, come sit. And that becomes the dog's security blanket, if you like, that when I come sit, I feel, I feel cool. So that once the dog knows the, 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 um, retreat and treat game. Now we bring in our first visitor who's going to hand feed the dog his dinner tonight, basically every piece of kibble hand fed. Now we start not approaching the dog. You must wait for the dog to come to you. I think the two most powerful temperament tests, the, the mm -hmm. two most yeah, powerful temperament tests are will a dog approach you happily, jauntily, and will he take food? They're very revealing in terms of how the dog feels about you. So I always start by tossing the treat over the dog's head to further increase the dog's distance. He comes to a distance where he's comfortable. Well, I stretch it, toss a bit of kibble over the head, and then three bits of enhanced kibble between the dog and me. So as he approaches me, he gets enhanced kibble, enhanced kibble, enhanced kibble, then kibble over the head and then treat, if you like, between him and me till he's happily close and takes the food from my hand. Always have a second bit of food there because once the dog comes forward, like kind of scared and takes the kibble from your hand, now your empty hand is too close to him. So that's when he gets really wet and upset and runs off or has a snap at you. So always have another bit of kibble. As soon as he takes it, back away. Come sit, treat. Come sit, treat. But you've always got a bunch of kibble in your hand. And then eventually you can sit on a chair and comfortably hand feed the dog. This is one person. I would have that one person come maybe one or two days in a row, then go to a second person. And we, we're inviting those people, of course, who we want to come to our homes are going to be likely visitors, maybe the next door neighbor, a couple of special friends. So we're building the dog social group. And with each person we do it, it generalizes. Then before meeting strangers on the street, because strangers are unpredictable, we don't know what they're going to do. I would take the core social group on the street and have them walk the block or go back and forth in front of the house. So each stranger approaches and walks by the dog multiple times. And every time they walk by, of course, it gets easier for the dog to do because it's the same person. Or we can have them walk around the block and you and the dog go the opposite way. And we practice greetings with ersat strangers that know what to do, to come to a certain distance and stand still while you sit the dog and then say in a happy voice, hey, it's a stranger, go say hello. And they run up and sit because the stranger has been instructed to get the dog to sit with the lure like he's been doing in your house and not touch the dog until it is. And so gradually doing this person by person in the home, then on the street before we even, you know, uh, try it with a real stranger but eventually you know when we've done it for you know a number of days the real strangers will be out there and it's very important that they don't rush up to your dog so you just tell them stop just say he's robbed you know he's just rolled in horse manure or something stop that quick approach 
and say, let me give you some treats to toss to him. But it, it's, it's, it will be, uh, you know, it, this is not, uh, so much of what we talk about here is quick and easy. This is the type of training I like. This won't be quick. It will be time consuming, but it's so important because you're dealing with your dog's feelings, it, you know, stress and anxiety. So, yeah, I mean, also, <laughs> like, I think we've been talking about this, uh, or I, I think you've been talking about it from the perspective of, we know that this is a problem. Do you think that most dogs are going to have, you know, like these problems and re require this pretty intensive uh, well, training? Or do you think some dogs question. are just going to? I mean, not every dog will, for sure. You know, I mean, there's a lot of factors that will come into play with that. But the thing is, first impressions matter and it doesn't hurt to play it safe you know, and then read your dog, you know, people are going to otherwise, I mean, because everyone's going to be so excited to be able to be social again. And this sounds like tedious and time consuming, which is why you should start right away before you can have that big summer party. You know, like, because when people get the chance, they're going to want to have some, everybody over and, you know, they might think that the dog is more social than they are. So it does no harm to take it slow initially, even if that means you can, your dog is fine and you can quickly proceed, you know, along to a normal pace, um, you know, you don't know until you know. So I would, I would assume that your dog needs a little bit of help and, and make those first impressions good and easy that the kind of things that build confidence versus the kind of thing that might, you know, startle them and, and even set them further back, you know, because if your dog has any sense of, um, wow, strangers are a little weird or what are the, who are these people, you know, and, and and then they're a little unsure and you bombard them all at once and they say wow my suspicion was right you know versus well this is pretty easy actually you know that seems like excellent advice better better safe than sorry first impressions matter i think we should leave it there unless either of you have any parting words you want to uh give people on the topic i do i i think when we talk about existing problems um I, I generally always think, well, let's be safe. And I re-echo what you know, Kelly is saying. Um, because I'm often accused of, oh, you only talk about puppies, Ian. You only talk about prevention. You don't talk about resolving problems. So I think, okay, let's talk about resolving the problem. It's going to be time. It's going to take some time. But we are dealing with dog-human interactions. And this, this, to me, is a, the most important thing to teach dogs. And I do think, because we're dealing with the dog's feelings, we should take our time and first do it in the home where the setting is much more controlled because you can control the people before blithely going out there. However, now this is the sunny side, the, the sheer adaptability of dogs never ceases to amaze me. There are a number of dogs where theoretically I would say, well, you know, they're kind of screwed a bit because she didn't socialize them. And then I sit back and see this adult dog who's scared of his own shadow and scared of people just rehabilitate himself so quickly when meeting the right kind of people, people who are happy and tossing treats. And so the sunny side is, um, I consider dogs, and for that matter, children, when I look at their development and see what they've gone through and how well they usually turn out. <laughs>
you know, so, so that's the sunny side. I, I actually expect most of the dogs are going to be okay with this. But of course, the answer we were asked to give is, yeah, what if they're not okay? What do we suggest that they do? And I think this will be time consuming, but it's certainly worth, worth the effort. All right. That sounds good. Well, thanks everyone for listening. We'll say goodbye now. <laughs> Bye. 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 See, you guys. See you next time. What a silly question. Do you have anything else to say, Dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll stop doing that and I'll just uh, <laughs> just cut it. And just say, well, thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for listening to iWolf Season 7, Episode 3. If you'd like to learn more about dog behavior and training, make sure to check out DunbarAcademy.com. And as always, thanks for listening.